Why is God so angry? Isn't the Bible full of contradictions? How could God allow so much evil? Science disproves the Bible. How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? So, this morning we are going to take a look at the Assyrians. And the topic that I've been given is how God used the Assyrians who we'll look at just in a moment that they were not a they were not a very uh, nice nation at all uh, they were they were actually pretty horrific but how God used them to punish Israel and hopefully I can make some sense of this and 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 bring it to some application in our in our lives here today and then you know looking at God so if you were to do a quick search on the internet, it doesn't take long before you discover how horrific the Assyrians were as a nation. They conquered all by muscle and force. And um, I will spare you the details of what they did with their prisoners of war. But suffice to say that in today's world, there would be some serious war crime trials happening against the Assyrians. We read throughout the Old Testament um, how the prophets would prophesy about God using the Assyrians and other nations to bring about his punishment upon Israel because Israel had abandoned God. So listen here to Isaiah 10, 5 and 6. It says, Ah, Assyrian, the rod of my anger, the club in their hands is my fury. Against a godless nation I send him. Against the people of my wrath I commend him to take spoil and seize plunder and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. Whoa, okay, that's serious stuff right there. Uh, God, we just kind of have to go, stop. Man, what did I just read there? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty hard uh, words reading. But what is happening? And I think that's the question I have to ask is, what is happening here? And we have to come back to what God had told the Assyrians, or excuse me, God told Israel and the covenant he made with the people. God clearly told Israel that they were his chosen people. They were called to be a nation that would be a witness to the people around them. So that as the people around them saw the blessing that God put upon them, that they would, that the nations around would come and want to follow after the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so with that, he was really saying, follow me with all of your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And if you do that, you will know my blessing. But if you turn to foreign gods, if you abandon all that God asked of them, uh, he says to them, if you abandon all that I ask of you, I will punish you. God is not wanting Israel to fall to this outcome. Matter of fact, you can read throughout the prophecies, the, whether it's Isaiah or Jeremiah or the minor prophets, that many times 
Again and again, God would call Israel to repentance. And he would say, if you don't repent, this is going to happen to you. So when we read in Peter that God is long-suffering, he didn't just boom like that, turn the Assyrians on Israel. He warned them. He pleaded with them that they would indeed um, follow after him. So, so we can read that they, they didn't. They didn't turn. They didn't repent. And, and yes, they did suffer the brutality of the Assyrians and the other nations. So, so that's that picture. Let's fast forward to the New Testament. And, and let's look at this. Where God called Israel to be a nation that would be his witness, he has now called the church, you and I, to be his witness in the world. We are, as it says in Peter, to live such good lives amongst the pagans, though they accuse us of doing wrong, they may see the good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. 1 Peter 2.12. So God has called us that way. He has called us like Israel to live such good lives amongst the people around us that they are drawn to God. So what if we don't? Are we going to experience God's wrath? Like what we see the, the, the Assyrians? You can go to the internet again and you can ask this question and you can get a ver various answers. But here is what I know. And this is where I want to take us. When we become followers of Jesus, we are given the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 tells us that we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. In John 14.6, we are told that the Holy Spirit teaches us. In John 16, 7 and 8, we're told the Holy Spirit will convict us and the world of sin. We're told in 1 Corinthians 2, 11, 10 to 11, that the Holy Spirit is a source of revelation, of wisdom, and of power. Just to name a few of the works of the Holy Spirit. But in 1 Thessalonians, we're told, 5.19, that if we sin, if we continue to sin, if we don't stop our sinning, we will stop the work of the Holy Spirit. Or as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, we will quench the Holy Spirit. It means we will, we will stop the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is our power. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit is our guide. And we will stop that in our lives. In so doing, we will find ourselves justifying our sin. We're able to, to come to a place that um, our ability to resist temptation is weakened. And we justify our actions. We allow Satan to have a stronghold in our lives. Which means there is something for him to hold on to, to, to maneuver or to control us. We lose the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But just like Israel... If we repent, if we confess our sins, we turn to God, He will heal us, He will restore us, He will renew our lives. 2 Chronicles 7, 
tells us that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. We move into the, to the New Testament in 1 John 1, 9, we're told that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Old the New Testament, very similar in what they're saying. But here's what I don't want us to lose sight of. I don't want us to lose sight of the importance of why we need to keep short accounts with God. Because what is the consequences of sinning? It's not just about me. Yes, I face the consequences. I face the quenching of the Holy Spirit. I face the work of God in my life and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. But I also affect the people around me. For about 24 years, I lived in a small community. And many people in that community knew who I was. I was the pastor of the church there. And it saddened me and saddened my heart as I have from time to time, people would come to me and they'd say to me, you know, Scott, I would consider coming to your church, but I know so-and-so in your church. And they are dishonest. And the way they treat people around them is awful. My heart would sink. And as much as I'd want to tell them, well, that's not everybody in the church. And then sometimes I would tell them that and they say, yeah, well, I know that. But that person still goes to church. I thought, wow, that is such a sad story. But I also tell you this, that on the other hand, I remember people walking through our doors. And I remember this one particular guy, he came to church and I thought, what, this guy's in our church? I can't believe it. I sat down and I talked with him and I said to him, so why are you, why'd you come to church? And he says, you know, Scott, I had to come to church because I kept on running into so many people from this church who were so kind and so loving that I thought I just have to come and check it out. You know, that man a few months later gave witness to the salvation of his soul through Jesus as a follower of Jesus, and we baptized him. Now that's exciting. And that is the call of the church. That man's testimony inspired me to keep short accounts with God. I want to be one of those people who are influencers for Jesus. I want to live such a good life for the people around me so that they will want to seek out the Jesus that I follow. I hope you do too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today, you know, we see that you do deal with sin in our life. And there are consequences for sin in our life. But may we grasp hold of the greatest consequences is not just what it does to my own life, but what it does to the people around me. Oh Lord, you are gracious and you are mighty, but you have called us, me, us as a church, to be your witness throughout the community that we live in. Lord, may we find ourselves humbling ourselves on our knees, repenting of our sins and saying, Lord Jesus, I want to walk with you. I want to live a life for you. In Jesus' name.
Can I say this last thing? If you are struggling with sin in your life, the Bible tells us that we're not to walk alone, but we're to bear with, with each other, bear up with each other, to, to share with one another. And if you are finding yourself in a place that you are struggling with sin that you cannot shake, please talk to a fellow believer. Talk to me. Let's journey together to where we can find wholeness and freedom from our sin. God bless you this week.